wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions uh, concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Joseph Maticic and uh, joining me uh, today is Pastor William Mawala. William uh, is a pastor of the uh, uh, Gaul Seminary Adventist Church uh, as well as uh, associate pastor at Paravista Seminary Adventist Church and at the Grace Adventist Centre. Welcome to the program and welcome along to another week on Drive Time. Great to have you along, Will. Thank you, Joseph. It's great to be here with you once again. Uh, today we're uh, starting a another uh, fascinating uh, topic series that we're going to be looking at. Um, our big question uh, this week is, uh, how good was God when he created hell? Mm. And uh, we're looking forward to to unpacking this as as the week goes on. So so welcome along uh, wherever you may be joining us uh, today. Uh, our text line number is o four double eight double eight zero eight double one. Now I've got a free offer for you uh, a little bit later on in the program. So uh, stay tuned and uh, uh, yeah, make sure you. Um, uh, Text in uh, if you if you like that 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 free offer. As I said, uh, joining me today is uh, Pastor William Awala, uh, pastor of a uh, couple of our Seventh Day Adventist churches uh, here in Adelaide. Uh, Will, it's great to have you along. Uh, and uh, tell me, Will, how was your weekend? Well, I had a bit of an interesting weekend. I went in a state um, back to Sydney. I had a very close uh, relative of mine. Uh, my grand aunt actually passed away last Monday. So um, yeah, it was a um, took me by surprise and um, flew out there last Wednesday and um, it was very good I guess funerals are a, it's bittersweet in a sense because you're, you're mourning a loved one that's passed but at the same time you get to see a lot of your close friends and family mm. so I really got to connect with um, a lot of my friends and a lot of my family that I hadn't seen in a while actually so yeah it was it was it was quite a, an emotionally filled few days and um, the weather was pretty cold in Sydney as well, as it is here in Adelaide. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you were fortunate enough to be able to actually, I guess, be able to travel and get there. Considering um, at the moment, um, yeah, we we have some some restrictions in some parts of our country. Yeah, I know. Like Melbourne's doing it a bit um, tough at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I did my cross border travel um, online application um, on my way back. And um, yeah, got the response uh, pretty much immediately, which was a bit of a different story when I first uh, when we first moved in the state from um, North New South Wales um, earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a bit more, there was a bit more um, hoops to jump through, but we finally got here in the end. So um, yeah, last weekend it was um, good time to catch up. I got to see my old man, my father. I got to see my brother, my sister, and plenty of friends, and uh, mm. obviously my grand aunt. And um, so it was. It was good to be there, you know, and I'm um, looking back, it is quite a, you know, when there's a lot of logistics, you know, you got to think about all these variables, you know, going over and had to leave my lovely wife and my daughter behind, which was also tough. But um, looking back, I'm really glad I went just to be able to be there with the family during a, a very difficult time. So. It really is a time of mixed emotions in a funeral. Like, like you're saying, it, 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 it's, it's, you know, sad, obviously, because you, a loved one's passed away, you're, you're, um, yeah, there's, there's loss, uh, yep. the, the, you know, the, there's sadness as far as that's concerned. Then there, it, it is a time when people are together, yep. uh, people that uh, haven't, that maybe at, 
you haven't seen for maybe a long time. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of interesting how it's actually at a funeral that um, uh, people come or, or gather together or meet that you wouldn't meet for a long, yeah. long time, really. You know. Hey, can I just also just quickly add in this, Joseph, because um, I was with my brother. We were just driving around most of those three days. Because was, you know, we had the family prayer the Wednesday night. Then the Thursday night was the the wake. So that went from uh, six to like ten o'clock, and there was hundreds of people there. And then on the Friday, um, they had the actual burial at Rookwood Cemetery in Sydney, and that finished about lunchtime. So I had a bit of a a few hour gap before my flight would fly out. And um, just driving around my old neighbourhood, and um, I just said to my uh, my brother, we're driving past a particular area, um, just near where I lived. <coughs> excuse me, and. Um, I thought of my my best friend Brandon, who I haven't seen in years, and mm. driving past Croydon Park, and uh, I just blurted out to my brother, "Hey, let's go see if um, Helen lives there still." You know, my my, my best friend's mother after okay. all the years, and we just went up, rocked up, and knocked on the door, and sure enough, Helen was there, and she was so excited to see me and Josh, and we stayed there for a good fifteen twenty minutes, just connecting, and um, you know. I was so glad to do that because, you know, oftentimes we lose con- connection with yes. with uh, friends and family. And, and I've always thought of Brandon um, over the years, my best friend in high school, we played basketball and everything together. So to sit in Helen's uh, living room where my friend Brandon lives, and you know, now he's since married, he's got a little child, and I could see on, on the uh, coffee table there the um, the pictures of his his little boy, Blake, and it just brought so, so much memory. So just yeah. again, I, I was glad I went, got to see Helen, got to see my family. And, um, you know, my father, I haven't seen him, you know, since last year. So, um, you know, it was, it was just a real blessing. I'm mm. glad I went, you know, mm. looking back. Yeah. No, that, that's that's really, really neat. And, um, yeah, if funerals, we, we, we're talking about, you know, people passing away. And yep. our topic now, we'll get to it in just a moment. Uh-huh. We'll get in just a moment. Now, there, is, there, there is an interesting thing here, isn't there, Will, in the sense that um, – uh, last week on Drive Time, yep. uh, I was looking at the whole idea of, of death and yep. what happens uh, when we die and uh, you know, what does the Bible uh, tell us all, all about that. Now, really, we're kind of looking at, I guess, part two, in a sense, almost like the the the, yep. the other aspect that's connected to this you know, death, and then we're looking at this whole issue, whole issue of hell. And, um, uh, yeah, so we, we, we'll get into that in, in, in just a moment, Will. But before we do that... Um, I wanted to share uh, something that came across uh, across my desk. Uh, it's a report that's that's been generated by uh, a research organisation called the McCrindle Research. You know, a very reputable uh, research group. Uh, Will um, McCrindle Research, and um, this is this is looking at the the whole topic of uh, the future of the church in Australia. Uh, talking about the uh, the Christian Church, the, the future of the Christian Church uh, in Australia. Uh, that report interviewed a number of um, Christian leaders all over all over Australia. The the um, that, that's really quite interesting when we look at uh, some of the, the the statistics about faith and belief in 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 Australia. Um, we know from from census data that uh, Christianity. And the number of people that are that are uh, indicating that they are that they are Christians that they are who are affiliating themselves with Christianity is 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 on the de- de- decline. Um, now, Christianity 
is still uh, the, the the major faith group in Australia, according to the last census results. Uh, just over 52% uh, indicated, uh, identified themselves as Christian. Um, the next largest group, interestingly enough, was no religion. Mm. 30%. Wow. 30%. Uh, and then we've got uh, Islam, Buddhism, other, which were you know, single uh, figure uh, percentage uh, digits. What, what is, what is uh, I guess, uh, uh, Alarming here, uh, Will, is the percentage of no religion that's increasing. So, for example, uh, in 2006, we had 64% that I, that identified with Christ, as being Christians. That was in 2006. Ten years later, just ten years later, that dropped to 52%. Down from 64 to 52. Mm. Those that indicated no religion uh, in 2006, 19%. 10 years later, in 2016, 30%. 30%. Now, wow. uh, it'd be interesting uh, come in a few months' time when, when the next uh, census uh, is due here. Uh, what we find, though, interesting is that. Um, and, and I'm going to share a little bit from this uh, the report that I talked about and, and, and just there earlier. Uh, Will is that uh, more and more are um, indicating that they are what's called spiritual, but not religious. Mm. Uh, spiritual, but not religious. And in fact, there is a uh, uh, there's, there's an acronym for, for that now: S B N R. Spiritual but oh, okay. not religious. Right. Uh, this report, the McCrindle report, uh, says Australians are disillusioned with the church but spiritually hungry. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Disillusioned with the church, with the institutional or- organised church, but still they're spiritually hungry. Uh, Christian leaders believe, and, and let me just uh, read a, a, a couple of sentences here, it says Christian leaders believe Australians have become disillusioned with the church as an institution. This is partly due to church culture becoming detached from the everyday Australian experience and partly because of a break in trust due to poor leadership examples from the church. But even amidst this disillusionment, Christian leaders are seeing a spiritual hunger in Australia. Times of change, hardship and crisis can often cause people to think more deeply about what matters. The COVID-19 pandemic, this report says, has seen people across the globe reconsidering their values and searching for, for community. Connect, searching for community connection and meaning in their lives. But even before the pandemic, many Christian leaders were beginning to see spiritual hunger in Australia as a result of pre-existing social trends such as family breakdown, declining mental health and rising loneliness. These trends point to a lack of fulfilment among Australians despite the relative wealth and stability in our country. Mm-hmm. Interesting there. So uh, Australians are sort of turning off the institutional church, but that doesn't mean that they are not 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 spiritual. Uh, interesting also what our listeners out there think. And if you've got any 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 comments, uh, text them through to o four double eight double eight o eight double one. Our Faith FM Drive Time text line o four double eight. Double eight oh eight double one. What do you think about this decline in Christianity in Australia? More Australians turning off 
institutional church, but still considering themselves to be to, to be to, to be spiritual. So, Will, you know, putting it to you there, what do you make of this, uh, and what does this mean for Christianity and the Christian church? Sorry, the Christian church in its mission to Australians. Yeah, well, I think just as you were, you know, sharing some of the data there, I think. Too often, I think, from Christians looking in, looking outwardly from within, um, we tend to place a lot of blame on the reason why people are atheists or have no religion because something of their doing. But I, I kind of have to turn the um, turn the focus not not on what you know the, the culture around us, but in ourselves, because you know within that same data that you're quoting from the McCrindle's research, one of the top five blockers it talks about uh, of reason behaviors that uh, preventing people from knowing God is this idea of um, hypocrisy and um, judging others. So I think, I think there is a part to play for us as Christians. Right. Are yes. we really living uh, the principles in our daily lives? Are we practicing what yeah. we preach? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and I just couldn't help but look at the data there. This idea you mentioned a few minutes ago, Joseph, about people, you know, people want spirituality, but they don't want religion. And I think when I hear that just being said, um, yeah, certainly there is a move away from, you know, institutionalized mm. religion, organizational religion. Yes. People want, I guess, a more of a personal, you know, uh, experience, so to speak. And I think that's why Eastern religions uh, have picked up tremendously in the Western mm. culture in the, in, because okay. they, it's almost like a pendulum swing away from traditional forms of religion, which in Western society traditionally is, uh, you know, Christianity and whatnot. Interesting. But just very quickly, um, Joseph, one of those, um, you, you, you quoted the SBNR, um, uh, acronym, spiritual but not religious. One of the, in that study, it says 36% of them are people who identify as spiritual but not religious. Like 36% that came out of this 2016 survey um, is quoted as an idea or belief there is no ultimate purpose and meaning. And, you know, it seems to come up, Joseph, whenever we talk about these uh, these common themes of belief and of, you know, finding meaning, This that word just seems to keep cropping up, to me at least, this idea of meaning and purpose. Mm. And so... I guess that's where the, you know, a Christian can positively and, you know, say, you know, with God in our lives, there is meaning and there is hope. But then on the flip side, there are people being turned off because people who claim to believe in a transcendent God and have meaning, um, these people from the outside in seem to be seeing a lot of disconnect between what they, their faith in their actual practice. So I think, Rather than kind of look at people on the outside going, you know, why aren't they religious or anything? I think sometimes a lot of the time we have to ask ourselves as, as believers in Jesus is, are we, adi- are we, you know, modeling and sharing mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we know? I mean, I can speak personally for myself when I first was on this journey of faith is a lot of the time it's your family and your friends, your work colleagues. They, they get the front row seat as it were. In terms of your profession, and so I think, um, but yeah, they get to see really, don't they? Yeah, so I think that probably could play a factor in why some people are turned off. Mm. There may be people listening who, you know, they know Christians mm. right now as they're driving, and they know certain people who claim to go go to church on Sundays or go to, and but but that's probably where it ends for them in yeah. terms of their profession. So, 
So I think there's a variety of factors, but definitely what the data is suggesting in this um, survey, in this consensus, is that there's definitely a growing, a decline in in this idea of, of religion, the 32%. That's almost on par with those who claim to be Christian 45. So who knows what the what this year's data is going to bring out. Maybe there's going to be, if the trends are continuing as it were, there's going to be a spike in this uh, people identifying as not religious. And that's pretty confronting for me as a pastor yeah. because this is the culture we're living in, yeah. spe- yep. specifically in Australia. So It is. And, and um, you know, I guess, yeah, it, it's not... This is not doom and gloom. Yeah. This is just, this is more like a bit of a wake up call, perhaps, and saying, hey, look, uh, we need to, need to be aware of, of, of our community. And, uh, and, and you know, it, it brings out here a, a, a few things. Um, for yep. instance, um, uh, yes, maybe some institutional type of, um, events aren't necessarily going to connect, but still there is n- no substitute for one on one. Yeah. Uh, for, for each, for individual, uh, Christian believers connecting, sharing, living the life, uh, mixing amongst their community and, uh, yeah, rubbing shoulders with, with neighbors, with friends. Yeah. Uh, Australians are still open to, 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 you know, to Jesus Christianity. It suggests here in the report. There is a spiritual hunger. It goes on. And it says that the role of the church, uh, here is to rise rather than retreat. I like that. Yeah. To rise uh, rather than than retreat. So, yeah, look, we we do li- live in interesting times, definitely, and uh, the challenge is certainly there. And um, yeah, we 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 should really try to, try to rise rise to that. Look, let's uh, let's let's take a bit of a break, and uh, we'll then we'll come back and um, uh, we'll uh, continue on on with the program. Uh, this is a, a lovely song on my knees.
No radio reception? No problem. Download the free Faith FM app onto your phone or tablet to listen anytime, anywhere. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM. This is Drive Time, big Q&A with Joseph Matichich and William Mawala. Today we are looking at a a topic uh, that is perhaps uh, sometimes maybe uh, misunderstood, maybe one that's not really uh, well well talked about. Uh, We're looking at the issue of hell. What is it? Uh, Is it real? Uh, Does it exist? Did God create it? And uh, we would like to to, uh, to unpack that um, topic from from the Bible. Um, we'll you know we we talked last week here on Drive Time about about death uh, yep. and what happens then. Now we're looking at at the idea of hell. Now it's it, it's interesting, but you know. Um, uh, what what is hell? How do we how do we look at it? People these days have um, there's a fairly sort of popularized view view of hell. We 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 throw the word around a little bit, uh, you know, as a bit of a throwaway term. Or even um, when we when we talk about uh, people's eternal destinies, um, there's a popularized view that if you're good, you go to heaven. Yep, and if you're bad, you go to Hell. Yep. However, will I? I don't. I've been to a number of funerals, yet I've never been to a funeral where they've said <laughs> that the person is has gone to hell. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, that, that's sort of a, an, an interesting thought. Uh, but you know, jokes aside, um, let's let's look at this um, in all seriousness. You know, what is hell, and um, and what do we need to understand about it from a biblical point of view? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's a very um, Look, it's not really a topic that we all sit around the coffee table and, and talk about. No. But, you know, it's it's a very much a biblical uh, doctrine uh, topic. Okay, um, so it is something that we do want to kind of wrestle with. Okay, yeah, that's good. I mean, and I think um, uh, as Christians, you know, um, Jesus spoke about hell um, in the Gospel of Matthew. He talked about, um, in Matthew 5 and 22, he talks about uh, if we're angry with our brother, um, if we say to our brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. He also says in verse 29 of Matthew 5, if our right eye causes us to sin, to pluck it out, uh, it's better that than our whole body to be cast into hell. And there's numerous other mm. passages. So definitely from Jesus' perspective, and obviously Jesus was a Jew, so from the Old Testament there are many references to this idea of hell. Um but as you were alluding to just a few moments ago, Joseph, yeah, there's um, there's a bit of um, different, you know, views that people would take about hell today, mm. and sometimes uh, it may not necessarily be scriptural, but it's just a common, and I think the most common, I guess, misconception, if you will, about hell is it's this place where there's well, not it's half true, but kind of half. It's this idea of this this burning fire, and there is the devil that's kind of in charge, and he's Got the you know the pitchfork in his hand. Yeah, sort of seen that in caricatures, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of like roasting people evenly, so that they're evenly cooked. You know that type of thing. Being being punished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But 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 it, as you said, it is very much a serious. Um, it is a a sobering uh, teaching that we find all throughout Scripture, and it's something that we want to take a dive in this the rest of this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, so I want to just kind of maybe um share various um, passages of scripture in yeah. what the Bible teaches on this. And um, 
you know, Joseph, you and I are both pastors and, and we'd like to, you know, when we get up to, to preach on our, on the weekends and when we share the Bible with people, we always say to people, you know, it's not my opinion and it's mm. not the opinion of a particular denomination. We want to know what the Bible actually says. And so, um, that's what I want to endeavor to do and what we're hoping to do every time we, um, we join in on Faith FM Drive Time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what we want to do here on Faith FM. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah we really want to, yeah. Look at what the what the what the Bible does say. Um, we'll uh, and we, we as we're about to open the Bible. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, what would you say is maybe that maybe the two or three main views that are kind of you know, people see hell as either as you know um, what would be the most common general understanding of what hell is. <clears throat> So I think the common view is, and um, I think you've sort of alluded to it yeah. already. Yeah. So I think the common view is this um, this notion that um, people are in there now and okay. they're burning, and okay. it's this never ending, um, this never ending uh, burning, this eternal Su- conscious suffering. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, so that's, um, that that would be the most common idea. What's another idea that people have of what hell is? Well, there's another view that um, it's more, I guess, um, the the flip side of that, which is that. Um, that uh, there is no such thing as hell. Is that it just doesn't exist? Yeah, it doesn't exist. Okay, everyone's gonna everyone's gonna be saved, okay. and it's more of a okay. scare tactic that right, religion right. and and you know faith groups have used over the years to coerce people to live you know moral lives, so to okay. speak. Um, but I think there's a middle ground, okay. which is uh, I, I'm hoping that we will touch on at mm. least tonight. And um, so okay, to go well, well, to begin <clears throat> begin then, uh, will let, let let me ask right from the outset. Uh, it, are people in hell now? You know. Well, short answer is no. N- not ah, that, from, right. From what I understand in the Bible. Okay. Um, so Sh- share with us. Yeah. So when we look at the Bible, when we look at hell, um, there are various texts on, on what the Bible says there. And so, is there anyone in hell today? And for those who are listening, I want to say no. Mm. And, and I believe there is biblical uh, support for that. If you go to the Bible in, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, uh, Peter says there, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So when you read that text at least, Joseph, there, there's not a one single person or soul, if you will, in hellfire or in hell today. And I think that's good for people to realize mm. that if we, if you're listening to, look, I buried my grand aunt last week on the weekend. And, you know, God, God is ultimately the judge. He knows who's going where, so to speak. Mm. Mm. But it's just good to know, um, and like you were alluding to, Joseph, last week we did a teaching on, um, you know, what happens when a person dies. And we were alluding to the fact that the Bible calls death a sleep. Yes. That, that, that you're the spiritual being that, What's commonly thought of as your spirit or whatnot, you know, goes to this uh, nether, you know, another planet, another world. Um, don't think that's biblical. So when you marry this, and this is what I love about the Bible, Joseph, all of these teachings connect. Mm. It's it's a chain of truth. Yes. And yes. so so when when you take the idea that the sleep die, so the implication is that. No one goes immediately to either and heaven or hell. At death. Yeah. Okay. And so if you it's beautiful that what we're talking about tonight marries very well with what we were sharing last week. So going back to that second Peter, 
um, he mentioned this idea that um, reserving the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So I'd like to suggest to our listeners tonight that there is not a person in hell today. In fact, the Bible tells us in Second Peter um, that God actually reserves or he holds back the wicked until, as what Peter describes, the day of judgment to be punished. So it sounds like future. Okay, so so no one's in hell now. Um, yeah, the Bible is pointing out, uh, but it's pointing to it to a future time. So when is uh, this future time? Do do we, does the Bible help us with that? I believe so, Jason. I think there's a couple of references that could probably help us out. Um, there's a there's a text there in Matthew 13, and there's another one in John that I just want <clears throat> to reference very quick, quickly. Um, if you go to Matthew 13, verses 40 to 42, Jesus says these words. He talks he's in the context of describing the end times. And he says in, in verse 40 of Matthew 13, So it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And then you marry that, excuse me, you marry that text with Gospel of John chapter 12. It says there, The word that I've spoken will judge him in the last day. So if you marry those two together, Joseph, here's what here's my understanding of those those references. The lost will be cast into hellfire and go to hell at the great judgment at the end of the world. Yeah. Not when they die. And I think there's a big thing for us listeners to understand is that when a person dies, they don't immediately go to their judgment or what they deserve, whether it's uh, it's eternity, whether it's heaven or or this this notion of what we're talking about tonight is hell. Mm. So they don't go there when they die. It they will be cast into hell fire at the great judgment at the end of the world. Okay. So yeah, here's here's what I want to say to our listeners tonight, Joseph. God won't punish a person. This, this is listen to this logically. God won't punish a person in fire until his or her case was tried and decided in court at the end of the world. So like, let me ask you a question, Joseph. Does it make sense that God would burn a person? Let's say, for instance, let's say murder. Let's say a person committed murder. That it doesn't make sense that God would burn a murderer who died 5,000 years ago, 5,000 years longer than a murderer who, who dies, say, today and deserves the same punishment for the same sin. Mm. So, so, so this idea that, that a person goes into this idea of, of punishment, which is hell that we're talking about tonight, they, they don't go there straight away. Yeah. The Bible seems to be clear that there is a specific time period, uh, uh, this day of judgment, almost like a day of reckoning, Joseph. And, you know, there's for, many texts. For, for all the wicked. Yeah, yeah. for all the wicked. Who, who've ever lived. Yeah. 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 At the same time, in a sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so... When I, when I think about that, uh, to ask you a question, when will, you know, a person a- end up going into hell? Uh, my understanding is right at the end of the world. Yeah. You know, look at Jesus. He's saying there in the context of Matthew 13, um, yes. you know, he's talking about at the end of the age when the Son of Man will send out his angels. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's Jesus talking about himself, his second, uh, his his return, and it seems to be Joseph that in that context, when he returns, then this idea of those practicing lawlessness, they're cast into the furnace of fire. So, so um, yeah. So, will if the the if people are not in hell now, we've said, but it will be in the future. Where are people who 
shall we say, the unsaved, uh, where are they now? Yep. Good uh, sorry, question. Sorry, sorry. The, the unsaved who have already died, where are they now? Good question. Well, I, again, I want to go back to the Bible because I want to see what the Bible says. In, in John 5, in 28 and 29, I, I love this passage. And here is Jesus speaking. He says these words in John chapter 5, and verse 28 and 29. The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice, and they'll come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Then you mm. marry that text, Joseph, with Job 21 in verse 30, 32. In jo- it says there in the 21st chapter of Job, it says, quote, that the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction. And it says, yet shall he be brought to the grave, he shall remain in the tomb. So your answer to that question, Joseph, very simple. The Bible is specific. Both the unsaved and the saved who have died, uh, they're not in heaven, they're not in hell, they're not burning, uh, you know, they're not in some place of torment right now. The Bible is clear, they are in their grave sleeping until the resurrection day. And, and that is, that is clear. Mm. When the Bible talks about Obviously, you've got to read every verse in its context. It doesn't mean every time you see the word sleep, it's talking about someone's dying. But, you know, there's that verse in John 11 when Jesus spoke about Lazarus, one of his closest friends. He said he was sleeping, that mm. he may go and wake him up. And we obviously know in that context yes. he was actually dead. So so I, I love this passage, Joe. So I th- here's what I want my listeners, our listeners to understand is that hellfire, I believe, is a very misunderstood teaching. Mm. It conjures up this idea that God is evil, that he's the author of hell, just like a few weeks, you know, we touched on this idea of evil and suffering. Mm. No, 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 no. The Bible says God is God of love. And and, and this week, we're going to unpack this. We are just part A of this discussion, Joseph. We're mm. going to have speakers in all week um, just wrestling in with this concept. But here's what I want our listeners to know is that is that God is a God of love and mercy, and what we're going to see here is when a person dies, when my grand aunt died, Joseph, uh, you know, when she passed away that, that Monday back in Sydney, you know, she, the Bible, the Bible likens it to sleeping. Mm. And that's why we say it at our funerals all the time. May that person rest in peace. Yes. And, and like you were saying, Joseph, you know, you've, you've been to many funerals in your, uh, in your experience as a pastor. And yeah, it's interesting that at, Different services, the priest or whoever be leading out, yeah. even different Christian ministers will have a different spin on this. Mm, but, mm. but my understanding is, Joseph, is um, um, you know, where are the uh, unsaved? They're in the grave. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's clear. I think from yeah. the Bible. Nick. No, that that's that's really good, Will. Um, thank you. So yeah, and and that lines up with um, uh, Romans chapter six, verse twenty three. That you know, the wages of sin is death. Yeah. You know, it's not saying that the wages of sin is uh, eternal uh, an eternal yeah. existence in some sort of a hellfire. Um, the greatest verse in the Bible, God, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life so that that really is aligning um, and reinforcing what 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 you're what you're getting at there will that it's yep. clear um, uh, the saved uh, uh, sleep uh, who have pa- passed away that they sleep 
until the resurrection, they're raised to eternal life. Whereas the unsaved, the non-believers, um, they, uh, yeah, they, 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 they will perish. Mm. And so now, now let's look at that a little bit more about the, the fact that we've said hell's not happening now. It's in the future. Uh, let, let's, let's, um, see what the Bible tells us a little bit more about what's going to happen to the wicked in the hellfire. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so what's going to happen to them? So, there is a passage in Revelation 21, mm-hmm. and it says there in, in verse 8, it says, um, the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars ha- shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Mm, okay. So, so um, what I get from that, Joseph, is the wicked die the second death. Now, this may be new for people listening. The Bible actually talks about a second death, particularly right here in Revelation. Mm. And so here's what I want our listeners to, to kind of wrestle with. The wicked, they die ultimately the second death in hellfire. So if the wicked, now here's what I want our listeners to wrestle with. If the wicked live forever, which is what the common idea is when people think about hell, it's eternal, it's burning forever and ever and ever, and there's probably people burning in hell right now. If the wicked live forever, Joseph, and they're being tortured in hell, then that would, that would, logically imply that they'll be immortal. That they have eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, the Bible clearly says that the, the, the wages of sin is death. Is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So, you know, God's gift for those who have chosen him is eternal yeah. life. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the two deaths, well, you know, we, yeah, if, if Jesus doesn't come back, we die. We die the first death. Yep. That's the sleep one, right? Um, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's the first death. Uh, but when Jesus comes, he, he raises people to life, as the Bible clearly points out, and it's the wicked who are going to be be destroyed. And, and let's look at that destruction in just a moment, but who are going to be destroyed. And that, that's the second death. That's There's no coming back yep. from that. They, they're kind right. of gone, which... Yeah, which which really kind of thing really yeah. lines up with, I guess, God's character too. Um, well, let's let's talk about that. So, you know, the Bible talks about a hellfire, um, and that's that's where probably people get a little bit, you know, a bit excited, a bit bit anxious, whatever. So, uh, explain to us again um, now um, how big and how hot will this hellfire be? What what, what you know? How, how big is this? What's this fire? Yeah. And, and uh, how long does it go for? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, Second Peter, uh, chapter three and verse ten. Um, Peter says again. He says, "The day of the Lord." Now, when he says that, he's talking about the end of time. I believe it's talking about with the day when Christ returns. The okay. day of the Lord mm-hmm. will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Mm. Both the earth. And the works that are in it will be burned up. Burned up. That's interesting. Yeah. So what do we deduce from that, Joseph, is hellfire, it would be just as big as this earth is because it will be the earth on fire. And that may be, that may be new to some listening. Mm. Is it's this actual earth that you and I are living on. It, the earth is going to melt with fervent heat. And so this, this earth is actually going to be, be melting with fervent heat or cleanse, I like to use that probably word. And it says both the earth and the works that in it will be burned up. So hellfire, Joseph, it will be just as big as this earth because it will be the earth on fire. Hmm. So so here's the thing. This fire, it's going to be so hot, Joseph, it's going to melt the earth and burn up, as Peter says, 
all the works that are in it. Mm. So, so the atmospheric heavens, it's going to explode and pass away with great noise. So it's, and by the way, I have to insert this, Joseph. In the first part of that text in Second Peter chapter three, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. I think again, this is such a misunderstood concept because there's this notion in many Christian circles, this idea of this secret rapture where where Christians are going to be silently whisked away, raptured away, and they use a verse in First Thessalonians four mm-hmm. to kind of. Uh, Kind of get this teaching from, but but here it is right there. If, the, if you would just read the Bible, it mm. says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It's not coming about the manner. Mm. It's talking about the timing. Mm-hmm. Jesus always says in the Gospel of Matthew twenty four, "Be ready, be ready, be ready." And so interesting in this concept of thief, you've got Peter explaining what that day of the Lord will look like and feel like the earth melting. Fervent heat. So it's going to be big, Joseph. Mm. And you know what? Quite frankly, um, we don't want to be around for that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Will, um, this fire you're talking about, that, that, that the wicked are going to be, you're talking about everything burning up. Yeah. Um, is this fire going to go out? Is this fire going to go out? And, and what's going to happen uh, when it goes out? You know, I think probably, Joseph, this is probably at the heart of... Um, I think the misconception that's going around today within some Christian circles. Right. So if you look at Isaiah 47 uh-huh. in verse 14, there is a text there where Isaiah says, Behold, they shall be as stubble, the fire shall burn them, they shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame, it shall not be a coal to be warmed by, warmed by, sorry, nor a fire to sit before. And then when you look at Revelation 21, um, there is John the Apostle seeing the new heavens and the new earth. And he says there in verses 1 and a bit apart, verse 1 and then verse 4, he sees a new heaven and a new earth. And then John uh, says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain for the former things that passed away. So, so to answer the question, will the fire burn out? Absolutely. Because the Bible specifically teaches that the fire will end. There will not be left, as Isaiah says, there will not be left a coal to be worn by. Mm. That's what we just read a moment ago. Mm-hmm. Nor a fire to sit before. So Isaiah seems to be in- implying that there's going to c- come a time, as he says here in his wording, a coal to be worn by. This this idea of this uh, this burning uh, presence environment, it's, it's going to cease at some point. Mm. And so, and just if I could just... Go back to that Revelation text again. The Bible also says that in God's new kingdom, all former things, as he's mentioning there in verse 4, will be passed away. So so hell, um, being one of the former things, it's included. So we have to deduce that God's promise that it will be abolished. Yeah, okay. So I love so, that teaching, Joseph. Yep. And um, now, now, Will, we need to take a break. Okay. Uh, just before the break... Is, can you answer the then question, what's going to be left when the fire goes out? Okay. So, again, um, if you go to Malachi 4, verse 1 and 3, it says there, um, Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, that will leave them neither root nor branch. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. So notice, Joseph, the word, the verse doesn't, does not say the wicked will burn like asbestos, as many people today believe, but rather like stubble. In other words, it's going to be burned up. And so in that text there, the little word up, 
if if you read that again in Malachi four, it denotes completion. Mm-hmm. So, so again, uh, Joseph, my reading of the Bible, it, it seems to say there, particularly in Malachi, nothing but ashes will be left mm. when the fire goes out. You and I know when we sat around a, we sat around a bonfire and we, we see the ashes, the ashes means it's done. It's gone. It, it, there's no continual burning. Once you see the ashes, that's the end of the, yeah. of the cycle, if yeah. you will. So the wicked, um, will, will be burned in hell. In the future, at the end, and that they'll they'll be burnt up, burned yeah. to ashes. That's yeah. what it says in Malachi. Yeah. They but, shall be ashes yeah. under the soles of your feet. Yeah. Thank you, Will. That that's uh, that's really helpful to to help that understand. That. Look, uh, let, let's just take a quick break, and um, I wanted to let our listeners know uh, the offer that I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, it, we'd like to offer you a free little booklet called Judgment and Hell. Um, this is a great little booklet by Jim Eyre uh, that, in very simple language, um, yet um, in a pragmatic Bible study uh, gives you the truth of the Bible uh, on what this whole topic is about, judgment and hell. If you'd like a free copy, uh, just uh, text through um, to this number, 0488 That's 0488 And put in the text, Judgment and Hell, uh, provide your name, your address, your contact details, your phone number, and we'll ensure that you get uh, that free copy of this little booklet, Judgment and Hell. Uh, We'll come straight back after this song. What do I have that hasn't been given? Even the breath I breathe, the mercy of heaven. All that I have is your provision So be still my soul Be still my soul Be still and know Be still let go Still my soul I remind myself that you are not worried Even now I sense your presence around me I remind myself when my heart is racing Still my soul Be still and know Be still let go Be still my soul
Reception? No problem. Download the free Faith FM app onto your phone or tablet to listen anytime, anywhere. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM. This is uh, Drive Time Big Q&A with uh, Joseph Matichich and William Mawala. And uh, we're exploring the question, what is hell and did God create it? And uh, just before the break, Will, uh, you led us through uh, quite quite a a systematic uh, explanation from the Bible that hell is not happening now. Yep. Uh, it's going to be in the future, uh, at the, at the end of the world, uh, when the, the wicked, uh, are, are burned up, essentially. And that's sort of where, where, where we left it off. Yep. So, um, yeah, just, so let's just, um, I guess, uh, in the few moments that we've got left, um, kind of, uh, highlight what, what are the, the what, what's the biblical teaching on this? Sure. So, um, so maybe what we could do in the last few minutes, um, Joseph, we can actually use, Talk about the word hell itself. Yeah, and that that would be a good idea. What 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 does the what does the biblical word actually actually mean? I mean, uh, we, we have um, yeah uh, some uh, uh, interesting understandings about that, and um, just wanted to thank. Um, we, we've got a, a a comment that's coming through our, through our text line. Thank you so much for um, sending through your message um, uh, on our text line oh four double eight double eight zero eight. Double one, uh, and um, yeah, one of the listeners has sent in a message to say, "I believe the unsaved are in Sheol," and in brackets mm. they've they've added pit or grave. Now, Will, tell us about this. What what's what's this word Sheol? Right. So let me just go quickly to the word hell, and then we'll we'll go to Sheol in just right now, in just a couple of moments. So, see, I think one of the misconceptions of Joseph is when people see the word hell, they immediately think of a place of burning or punishment. Right, okay. But when you look at the words here, um, the word hell, it's actually used, uh, I guess, over 50 times in the Bible, and it's only used uh, 12, uh, only in 12 of those places does it actually refer to a place of burning. So, so when you see the word hell, it's actually translated from several different words with various meanings. So, um, uh, thank you to the listener who texts in talking about this con- this idea of Sheol or Sheol. You actually find that some 30 times in the Old Testament when that word just means, it means the grave. Okay, so you're saying that the Old Testament, so the, the, the when we read the word hell in the Old Testament, that's the Hebrew word Sheol. Which, which, which you said means what? The grave. The grave. The yeah. grave. Not a burning place. No, it just means the grave. Interesting. So you got, 
there's a couple of words. The grave or the pit. As the our, grave, yeah. As so our whoever is student. listening yeah. right now, uh, he or she is right on point with that. Well done. So you got. So here's a couple of ideas to consider, Joseph. About 31 times, it's the it's comes from the word Sheol, which means the grave. In the Old Testament. In the Old Testament. When you go to the New Testament, some 50 times, you've got 10 times um, the word uh, from the word Hades. And it means essentially the same thing as Sheol. It means the grave. Okay. Then there's an interesting one. Let me go to this next one. There's one time it's it's from Tataris. It means a place of darkness. Mm-hmm. So... So, you know, when the translator had to translate into Greek, it was used, the word Tataris, which means place of darkness. But then it's 12 times in the New Testament, they, they translated the word hell as, as Gehenna. And, and uh, this means place of burning. Now, now, Joseph, if you don't mind, I just want to maybe just a couple of minutes, just break down the idea of the word Gehenna, which it, means place of burning. This is important. Go yeah, for it. Yeah, this is important. So, so when you look at the word Gehenna, it's actually a transliteration of the Hebrew word Gehinnom, it means meaning the valley of Hinnom. And so this valley which lies immediately south and southwest of Jerusalem, it was actually a place where dead animals, garbage, I mean, I mean other refuse, this was like a dumping place okay. basically. So, so here's the thing. If you think of it visually, like a, a dumping place where refuse, rubbish, all these types of things are, are being dumped in the one place, the, the fire burned there, Joseph, constantly. As it does at modern, uh, for instance, sanitation dump sites. So when the Bible uses the word Gehenna or, or the Valley of Hinnom as a symbol of the fire that will destroy the lost at the end of time, the fire of Gehenna was not unending. And I think that's important for our listeners to consider. Mm. That did not burn, you know, you know, unendingly. Otherwise, it would still be burning southwest of Jerusalem today. So neither will the fire of hell be unending and I think that is a good point to end on Mm. that when the Bible speaks about hell Joseph and I really hope there is a listener that this teaching this concept will free their mind there is no one burning right now Mm. and I think that is if we could get anything across our listeners tonight there is not a place where people are being tormented people are burning people are you know, yeah, certainly this week we'll cover various passages that talk about this idea of eternal fire, which our, our, our speakers this week will cover. But, uh, but I thought Joseph and I, you know, we just going to end on that point that the hell is not something that people are burning right now. Mm. And if you look at that Gehenna and you look at the meaning behind it, uh, it certainly doesn't talk about, a, a, you know, a place where fire is just, you know, unending. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really, really helpful. Um, we'll really, really appreciate that. And, and, you know, as we, as we, you know, draw this to a close, um, and we've talked about, you know, what the Bible's teaching is on hell, will, you know, what's, what's God's purpose with a hellfire? Yeah, you know, I think there's a good point to end on, Joseph. You know, really, when you really think about it, Joseph, um, here's what I want our listeners to end on, uh, to think about. God's purpose, it, it, hell, will destroy the devil mm-hmm. and, and all sin mm-hmm. and the unsaved to make the world safe for eternity. Right. You see, any vestige of sin 
left on this planet, it's going to be a deadly virus. It's kind of like what we're going through now with yeah, the COVID pandemic. Yeah, yeah. We have to, you know, it, it almost like this planet, Joseph, it's, it's in quarantine, the whole mm. planet. And my understanding is there is a vast universe out there that we have absolutely no idea about, but, but in God's infinite wisdom, he's quarantined this earth to deal with the sin problem so that as John saw in Revelation that one day when sin is destroyed and death and pain and suffering, we're going to have a new heaven and earth. And so I want to say to our listeners tonight that it's God's plan to blot out sin. Mm. The, this idea of hell, that's uh, the that's how God deals with it. But essentially what God is trying to do is eradicate sin for and all time. wickedness. Well, our time's up for today. Uh, thanks for joining uh, myself, Joseph, and uh, William. Uh, join us tomorrow again here on Drive Time when Gary Hodgkin and Eric Hoare answer the question, how did Jesus relate to judgment and hell? Uh, but until then, remember that Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May God richly bless you.